noticing the way the mind meets the experience of the body this morning. And remembering the possibility of relating with kindness and patience, maybe even forgiveness if the body, the sensations are unpleasant. Feel free to make the last adjustments, listening, cultivating an upright and relaxed posture. And explore if it's safe to be right in the middle, to be awake, to be sensitive, to be connecting with the body. The sitting body is like this. Can this be okay the way it is now, this body? And is there anything in the way of relating in a friendly way? The mind can be interested, which is this willingness to be close or even intimate and also has this flavor of humility. So instead of thinking, I know the body, I know the sensations, it's more this willingness to be receptive to whatever it is that's arising as sensation now. And we can take a few moments and let the awareness move through the body. So simply receiving the sensations in the head, the face, not the mental image of the head and face, but the actual sensations around the skull the brow and forehead, temples, back of the head, sides of the head. Feel the air touching the skin of the face. Feeling the neck and the throat this willingness to be open to the sensations here.
receiving, allowing these sensations to be the way that they are now. Down into the tops of the shoulders and the shoulder joints. It's a relief not to judge, not to rely on any expectations, but instead to be open, curious, knowing that the shoulders are like this now, these sensations are being known and they're like this. opening to the sensations down both arms. And in particular, interested in ordinary sensations, for example, the sleeves against the skin of the arm, or where the skin is exposed, feeling the coolness of the air touching the skin Feeling, noticing the touch points. Opening to the trunk of the body, starting with the upper third or so. So feeling the back of the shoulders and the upper chest collarbones, and little by little, receiving, recognizing the sensations down through the trunk of the body, inside, on the surface, front side, back side. down into the solar plexus, the lower ribs, kidneys, opening to the entire abdomen and lower back, and a willingness to open to the entire pelvis, feel the structure of the hips, the floor of the pelvis, the lower spine. And take a few moments, feel the trunk, the whole trunk together now and the spine and the head resting on the spine, the weight of both arms and hands. And then continue opening now down through both legs.
learning that it's possible to be unafraid, to be open or intimate with the sensations of both legs, the bend in the knees, shins and calves, ankles, feet, toes, and the whole body together now. And if it's your practice, you can notice the breath coming in right here in the body and the breath going out again right here in the experience of the whole body. Appreciating the beginning of the stability of mind, the mind gathering in this activity of knowing the body sitting. Appreciate the wholesomeness of the continuity of awareness, the not forgetting that the body, the sitting body is like this now. And in that continuity of awareness, you'll notice some of the wholesome attitudes of mind. You'll notice right there the flavor of kindness, the wholesome quality of renunciation, not expecting anything from the awareness of the body. And this quality of harmlessness Noticing that the continuity of awareness is healing, heals the fragmentation, the distractedness of the mind.
And then from this place of stability of mind, mind knowing the body, then as other objects of experience arise, this clear and grounded awareness notices those other objects as something being known. Oh, it's just thinking being known. Everything is allowed. No need to be afraid of distraction, the hindrances. They're simply tools to wake up. Oh, it's just fear. Fear feels like this in the body. Fear is like this in the mind. It's just fear being known for whatever hindrance might arise. So let's continue now in silence.
have some time for questions this morning. If anybody has some questions about your practice, about the retreat. Yes. You said thinking very deep in the thought? In the thought. Mm-hmm. I think I'm aware of that, that it's happening. But, but during that point, I'm also, it changes my bodily function. It changes my breathing. Uh, it changes my heart rate. It almost gives me a little bit of anxiety. But I think I'm aware of it's happening. But at the same time, I don't want that. And I <laughs> want to change that thought to be aware of what I'm But uh, so I'll just repeat uh, part of what was said that he's aware of a thought and he notices very quickly when he's aware of some thoughts that there's a sinking. And do you mean by that thinking that the mind uh, gets a, kind of seduced and identified with the thought? Yes. Okay. And then that he notices uh, after that getting identified with the thought that there's an effect on the body and that you don't like that. And uh, then trying to get back to maybe your anchor. Do you use sound for your anchor? What are you Listen. listening to sound as an anchor? And then sort of just wondering about that sort of directing the attention back. Um, yeah, you just sounded curious about how wholesome that is to direct the attention back to hearing. But the first thing that comes to my mind is just uh, how good it is that you're seeing all of that, right? That whole dynamic. And uh, instead of like having a particular answer to y- your description of this activity in your mind, it's you can explore like what happens if I don't direct the attention back to hearing and instead I experiment with ways for the mind to be interested in that sinking in the mind getting identified with the content of the thought and the charge that you felt in your body that, that sort of corresponded to the mental activity. And, uh, you know, ultimately the real anchor of awareness or the real predominant experience is the experience of suffering or dukkha, right? So, because the mind is interested in dukkha and the release of dukkha. It's interested in getting when the experience of the mind and body gets bound up and it's just naturally interested when that experience of being bound up releases, right? Is there anybody, anybody's mind that isn't inherently interested in getting tight and getting released from that tightness? So, but it's not, that doesn't mean we can do it all the time. It just means that in that moment when you notice the mind is getting identified and you're starting to feel the visceral charge that goes with the thinking, like how it affects the body, 
And you might, there might be, and you can even use words in your mind like a label or a note, you know, is this suffering? Like maybe you're not even sure whether the mind-body is tight, whether this, there's this experience of being bound up, caught up. But you can ask, like, is this suffering? Is the heart, is the mind, is the body getting bound up? And then the answer might just appear in the mind, the clarity, you know, wisdom might understand, yeah, yeah. This experience is hard to bear. That's really the definition of dukkha, it's hard to bear. That's the impulse to want to fix it, like going back to hearing. But you might, if you can, just insert a few moments where you understand that there is dukkha. This is dukkha. And then if there's enough stability, you might be interested, does dukkha fall apart on its own? Like, do I need that intervention of redirecting the attention back to hearing? It's not like it's bad. It's a, it's a useful tool. It's one of many along this spectrum of sort of dharma moves. But one dharma move is to be interested whether the dukkha, whatever that mind is that's bound up with that thinking and the charge in the body, whether that falls apart on its own. Just in the mind recognizing what's going on with some patience, right? Does it fall apart on its own? Because it's so much more easeful to not have to be the one who has to restore the balance to the mind and to realize that the mind will restore its own balance. But it's a, it takes some faith and it takes some stability of mind in that moment to just be there with it and to redirect the attention back to the anchor, to hearing in this case, that's okay to do. Yeah, and then there may be some reverberations like in this, from how you described it, it sounds like you are picking up some, like uh, the mind maybe, the practicing mind was a little too assertive, too protecting um, of the stability of mind kind of going back. And so there's some reverberation, maybe there's some fear of getting lost in that thought. And then even when you're back to hearing, that reverberation of fear or that controlling energy, you might be able to recognize that too right there, even as you reestablish awareness with the anchor. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. That's useful to, for all of us to hear. Yes, please. Hi. Um, this is related to the last question somewhat. Um, I, my practice is uh, I feel my breath and my heart space and the space around me. And also, um, if I feel any sort of striving or struggle, I just remind myself to let everything be as it is and not struggle. Question is when I come back to that anchor of my heart space and the space around me, sometimes I feel a bit of struggle is a little strong, but it's tinged with it. Um, I mean, even after being a little strong, but the direction to come back has a little weight to it that is something like struggle um, without the So um, where did you say you, you experienced the struggle? Just redirecting my focus. 
Yeah, yeah. So the the comment question was, uh, again, just experiencing, like in this case, the anchor is the heart space and feeling the breath there and in the surrounding space. And uh, just noticing a subtle struggle of in the redirecting back to the breath. And like I was saying last night about the awareness of the body, this is a lot of what I said could also just be spoken about in terms of the relationship we have with the, what we call the anchor. Where, what do we use to develop stability of mind? Hearing, whole body, breath in the body, heart space. And um, that relationship the mind has with the anchor, it's like, uh, it's not different than the relationship we have with our partner or our home or a bank account, or anything in the world, really. The same defilements, the same unwholesome qualities of mind, the same wholesome qualities of mind that we see in our other relationships, we're gonna see in that relationship with the anchor. And sometimes, like with our partners, we're holding too tight. Sometimes with our anchor, we're holding too tight. Sometimes we're not using it as it should be used. We're not calling on it. We're not, uh, sort of taking advantage of what it can, how it can support the mind. So it's a real art and exactly like noticing in more subtle ways those reverberations, right? Because, you know, after a while we get, if anybody was totally lost in rage, you know, we would notice it. I don't know, forget the Example you use, like, oh, taking an exam, you know, like if it was, if the heart, mind, body was as tight as it is when we're taking an exam, it would probably stand out. So after a few days into the retreat, the quality, not all the time, sometimes they're full blown, but generally the defilements, the hindrances, they get more subtle. And that's good because then the quality of attention, like, is the attachment or is the redirecting to the anchor defiled in some way or unwholesome in some way? Let me see. Or is it wholesome? Am I holding unnecessarily to the anchor because I'm afraid of uh, that more open space, uh, what we sometimes call open awareness or, you know, just where any object that is predominant is the object of awareness, object of practice in that moment. And um, last night I mentioned too, in terms of the body about the messiness or going beyond a sense of control in our practice. And it's always this balance because if if the mind is feeling totally out of control, then it's gonna draw on the unwholesome qualities of mind because it feels like an animal, you know, trapped, you know, and so we're gonna grab onto anger, rage, or fear, or greed, or I'm just gonna disconnect because I can't handle this. So we need enough safety so that we're um, able to keep exploring, right? But uh, uh, we don't want to over rely on a sense of safety. We want to always explore the edge of the practice becoming like nature. So less somebody who has to govern it, control it, 
always moving in the direction that the wisdom and the ability for the mind to see things as they are, that that doesn't need to be directed by the practitioner, by the, the me, sort of there. Like that the practice can happen on its own. And we find that when, often when we're bringing our practice into places we tend not to bring it, both in terms of a sit when difficult experience arises, or we get interested in the more subtle, like your comment, the more subtle struggling that might be going on, or when we take our practice into places we haven't taken it, like the food line at lunch, or you know, once you get to your room at 9.45 in the evening. And like those places where we tend to sort of give, us, give ourselves a reason, well, I, I did a good job today, I don't have to practice. I mean, we don't say that out loud in the mind, but <laughs> there's that general thought that I'm off the hook now. <laughs> I have a couple of announcements before we end. Um, Elizabeth wants to remind all of us to check the bulletin board. Uh, it's good not to obsess about the bulletin board, but it's also good to check it at least once a day so you know when your practice groups are. You can make sure to join in. And every once in a long while, there might even be a note for you, maybe about your yogi job or something. So it's always good to check at least once a day. And uh, I think Elizabeth mentioned the, during the manager's meeting, but just to reiterate that there's no cell phone use in the rooms or even out in the woods. If for uh, an emergency or some important reason you do need to make a call, just check with the office. Or if the office is closed, there's a phone in the basement of Shanti, the red building. I guess they're both red now, but uh, the, the old annex where the laundry is. So there's a... Um, a little phone booth there that you can use uh, when it's appropriate. This afternoon, Steve's going to be uh, doing a Q&A session. I'll sit in with Steve, and that's three to four in this room. And you notice all the windows are closed because we're going to let the really efficient ventilation and air conditioning system handle the needs of this room. So we'll just leave them closed for the duration of the retreat. And then for the rest of the retreat, or until further notice, from 7 to 7.25, there will be standing meditation here in the meditation hall. This evening, Steve will give a few more instructions for the people who didn't make it last evening, but then it will just be people can just together use this time between 7 and 7.25 to practice standing meditation here in the hall. So wishing everyone a good day of practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.